From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. DeLorean Podcast. I'm your host, Mike De Niro, and today we have a super stack show. We're going to be talking about last Wednesday's AEW Dynamite, Thursday's Impact Wrestling. We're going to be talking about AEW Rampage on Friday, and like we do every single Monday, we're going to be going back in time, and we'll be talking about the next two episodes of Monday Night Raw from November 1996. Shit is starting to really heat up as we head into the year 1997 in Monday Night Raw. So, we're going to get to all that later today. But before we do, I gotta salute all my Wrestling DeLorean passengers. Thank you everybody who rides with the Wrestling DeLorean podcast every Monday, every Wednesday, and every Friday. Without you, there is no me. I'm talking about everybody who represents from all over the world. The United States, India, Brazil, Germany, Ireland, the UK, France, India. The list goes on and on and on. And I gotta say, it is so humbling. I salute all my Wrestling DeLorean passengers. Thank you so much, because without you, there is no me. If you don't already, follow the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast on Instagram at Wrestling DeLorean Pod. Follow the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast on Twitter at W underscore DeLorean Pod. Follow the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast on TikTok at Wrestling DeLorean Pod. And make sure you become a passenger today. But today, on this day, on Valentine's Day, I'm showing all my fucking fans love. I appreciate you guys. Happy Valentine's Day. Let's get into this Super Stack show. Ladies and gentlemen, Thank you for riding with the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast, and thank you for allowing me into your morning routine. Like I announced on the Instagram, at Wrestling DeLorean Pod, this past Friday, Jasmine St. Clair. A name that hasn't been talked about in wrestling for quite a while. Jasmine St. Clair will be making her return to professional wrestling at XPW's April 9th California show. If you don't know who Jasmine St. Clair is, I don't recommend Googling her if you are currently at work. But those who do know who Jasmine St. Clair is know that she has been quite an icon in many different industries. And she will be here on the Wrestling DeLorean podcast this Wednesday. She will be on the podcast as a guest to talk about not only her crazy train podcast, but to talk about her return to professional wrestling and all things XPW. So, look forward to that. But before we get to Jasmine St. Clair on Wednesday, let's talk about last Wednesday. 
we got to talk about AEW Dynamite. Now, I usually drop a show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I mean, it's in the intro. I, I, I talk about it all the time. But I usually cover the AEW episodes on Friday. Unfortunately, there was technical difficulties, and I couldn't get the episode out on Friday. So I'm just going to re-record it instead of putting that segment and just punching it in and making it sound like it's a weird, you know what I mean? Fuck that. I'm going to just re-tell you my thoughts on AEW, the thoughts that got recorded and didn't come out. Anyway... AEW Dynamite from this past Wednesday was a super stack show. Was a very good episode of AEW Dynamite. I'm talking about surprises. Now, Tony Khan came out and said that, you know, he botched his own definition of the forbidden door and last minute got Jay White. And look, I don't agree with Tony Khan going on Twitter. Tony Khan, you talk too much. You talk too goddamn much. I fuck with you, though. I fuck with you, Tony, but you talk too much, man. But let me tell you something. I don't give a fuck what your definition of the forbidden door is. Kudos. Kudos to you for providing a excellent show with two huge surprises. Kudos to you for last minute getting Jay White on that show. Kudos to you. For signing Limitless Keith Lee. Not, not only that. Not only that. But there's many times where I said that something that I would change about AEW. Is I would make AEW more spontaneous. I mentioned before on the podcast. That something that AEW never does. Is book a match within the show. AEW always however. Gives you the rundown of every match that's going to be on that show without exceptions or surprises before the show. Never was a match booked on the show. There was never a segment that said, hey, tonight I want you one-on-one. A match that was not announced already. And I think I just talked about that literally last Wednesday when I talked about AEW Dynamite. And the rundown. And later on in that night, on the show... It finally happened. In the start of the show, MJF was having a big celebration along with the members of the Pinnacle. And he was basically just boasting and talking shit. Leads to CM Punk coming out. CM Punk wants his rematch. Tells MJF stop being a little bitch. He says that Wardlow beat him. MJF did not beat him. He wants his rematch. MJF says that if CM Punk could beat FTR with a partner of his choosing then he will give him a rematch. However, I thought that this was going to be, oh, next week. But no, it was for later on tonight. That shit is refreshing. That was very refreshing. Very, very refreshing. All because this is something that we have never seen out of AEW. Think about it. Never before, out of all the episodes of Dynamite for the last three years, we have never seen... A match booked on the show. I know it's very WWE-like. But it works. It keeps the show fun. You gotta tune in because you don't know what's gonna happen. So I'm glad that they did this. I think that this was really cool. This match ends up being CM Punk and John Moxley versus FTR. And I gotta say, this was a very, very solid matchup. 
MJF and John Moxley versus FTR was phenomenal. This was just pure wrestling. This was old school wrestling. We didn't need the flips. We didn't need the 100 fucking high spots. This was just a great fucking matchup. If I, I mean, to be honest, with an episode where everyone's talking about surprises, I say everybody should go check out this show for this matchup. Yeah, go check out the surprises. And we're going to talk about those surprises in a second, but check out this matchup because it was definitely the match of the night. I know people might say, oh, but what about the main event? The Sexist Death match was fucking dope, too. I like that matchup, too. It's just that going into that matchup, I already knew who was going to win. Because it was obvious that they're not going to take the title off of Adam Page quite yet, especially not for Lance Archer. So I already knew going into that that we were not going to get a title change. But that match was still crazy. I'm talking about blood. I'm talking about crazy-ass bumps. That fucking blackout that Lance Archer hit Adam Page with onto the steel steps was insane. But like I said, we're going to get to that too in a minute. I want to get back to seeing Punk and Johnny Mox versus FTR. And like I said, this was pretty dope, right? I expected John Moxley to come out on this show and give his answer to Brian Danielson's proposal about joining forces with him. Instead, as a surprise, we got John Moxley teaming up with CM Punk for the first time ever, I assume. Maybe the Shield team up with CM Punk one time or two times back in the day in WWE. But this is the first time that they teamed up here in AEW, and they made a hell of a team. I am interested to see where this goes. I'm interested to see where Daniel Bryan plays out with this. And we will also be seeing MJF versus CM Punk 2, probably at Revolution, because CM Punk and John Moxley won the matchup, meaning they get, well, CM Punk gets his rematch against MJF. Now, let's get to some of these surprises. Tony Khan talked about he botched the forbidden door, right? Now, I believe Tony Khan's definition of the forbidden door, which, by the way, let's get rid of that term. That term forbidden door sounds absolutely stupid. But Tony Khan's definition of the forbidden door is basically a wrestler from a signed wrestler from another company coming in and working for AEW. Or AEW sending in a wrestler from their company to go work for another company while they're still signed to AEW. Now, I'm thinking that a lot of people thought when he talked about the Forbidden Door, he talked about the mystery partner for, or the mystery opponent for Isaiah Cassidy. That was not the Forbidden Door because the Forbidden Door is a signed wrestler from another company. This is a wrestler signing with AEW. So that's why. Tony Khan was like, oh shit, I gotta go get a Forbidden Door wrestler. I need a surprise now. And I guess he checked who's in the United States at the moment. Somebody who was just on House of Glory. Somebody who was just on Impact Wrestling. Somebody who's wrestling for New Japan Strong. And he got all Switchblade, Jay White. Now, as hyped as I was to see Jay White, I ain't gonna lie, I was fucking shocked. I was like, oh shit, it's Jay White. It's pretty dope, right? I'm a big Jay White fan. I'm a big fan of King Switch. I wonder how long he's going to be 
with AEW. And I wonder how does he play out with this whole storyline between the Young Bucks, Adam Cole, Red Dragon, and eventually Kenny Omega. I think it's pretty interesting that you have Jay White here. I know that they talked about well, later on in the night, the Young Bucks was like, hey, you should have asked us about Jay White. Jay White is one of Kenny Omega's bitter enemies back in New Japan. And Adam Cole was like, yo, but we're Bullet Club forever. So very interesting to see where this goes. I'm excited to see Jay White. I think that we could get a lot of good matches from Jay White on AEW. That's dope. Now, the mystery, the mystery that everyone was talking about, the guy who went one-on-one against Isaiah Cassidy, was none other than Limitless Keith Lee. Now, there was a lot of speculation going into this on who could it be. I talked about it on last Wednesday's show. I was like, is it Johnny Gargano? Is it Keith Lee? Is it Bray Wyatt? Is it Killer Cross? It could be a bunch of different people. It ended up being Keith Lee, and I am very happy for Keith Lee. Keith Lee is a very talented star who was supposed to be a superstar in the WWE. So to see him here was really dope. I see a lot of people talking shit about, oh, they botched Keith Lee's. Yo, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Every single time AEW brings somebody in. Oh, wow, that's not a needle mover. Motherfucker, Keith Lee was going to be a needle mover before he was fucking stifled by the WWE. Keith Lee was at Survivor Series in 2018 fucking hitting power bombs onto freaking Roman Reigns. Keith Lee was in the Royal Rumble match going toe-to-toe with Brock Lesnar. Keith Lee gets called up from NXT after becoming a double champion, a world champion and a North American champion, the only guy to hold two belts simultaneously in NXT. He goes up to the main roster, and within a month of being there, he's defeating Randy Orton on pay-per-view. Keith Lee was a star. And then he got stifled. He had health issues. He comes back. They change his attire. They change his fucking music. Everything that they did to like Killer Cross, they also did to Keith Lee. They changed his gimmick. He's not. He's no longer limitless Keith Lee. He's no longer basking his glory, Keith Lee. He's the Bearcat, Keith Lee. The Bearcat. All right, that that bullshit. Let me tell you something. Keith Lee belongs in AEW. Where the shackles are now off. Keith Lee belongs here in AEW. For everybody who's saying that they don't have, AEW does not have minorities at the top. Keith Lee could be that guy. Keith Lee could be TNT champion. Hell, I would have Keith Lee win the Revolution ladder match. I would have Keith Lee go one-on-one against Sammy Guevara, and I would have Keith Lee win. I could see Keith Lee being an AEW World Heavyweight Champion. You could call me stupid. You could call me... I don't care what you call me. This is my opinion. I think that Keith Lee is a megastar waiting to happen. He is extremely talented, and he's ready to break out. I'm happy that he's here in AEW. Because Keith Lee was an elite competitor before AEW. Now Keith Lee's all elite. The main event of this show 
was a bloodbath. A Texas death match for the AEW champion between the Murderhawk monster Lance Archer and the world champion Hangman Adam Page. This was an absolute bloodbath. Dan Lambert comes out early on. He takes off the top rope. This way, you could not have Adam Page hit the buckshot lariat. Very smart storytelling with that. And I really did enjoy Tony Schiavone calling that out. I enjoyed that Tony Schiavone pointed out that this is not Dan Lambert just causing chaos and cause, taking off the rope just to call blunders. You know, I did enjoy that he called out that this was to prevent the buckshot lariat. Now, the story of the match was how was he going to hit that buckshot Larry if there's no top rope? These two guys wrestled all around the arena, wrestled into the stands. We had a crazy-ass moonsault from the top of the stands. Insane. Insane. We got Jake the Snake Roberts getting involved. Great shit here. In the end, the referee goes down to pick up a barbed wire chair to move it out the way, and while he's bent over... Hangman Page flips over him, hits the buckshot lariat through two tables on the outside, and Hangman Adam Page is still your champion. Like I said, I thought going in, I knew he was going to win. I still enjoyed the matchup. It was a crazy-ass matchup. The story coming after this matchup is Adam Cole, who did say on Rampage two weeks ago that he was going to be a new Adam Cole, and he guarantees that he's going to be the next AEW champion Adam Cole comes out here and he confronts Adam Page. Not confronts, he gives him the belt, making him known that he is going to be the next guy in line for the AEW champion. Adam Cole versus Adam Page, I think is going to be a hell of a matchup. But this was a good episode of Dynamite. A lot of other cool shit happened on this too. You had some things that I didn't necessarily like, like the whole Andrade with Darby and Sam, not Sammy, Darby and... uh. Sting, like, if this is going to lead to Andrade and Darby, let's cut the fluff and let's just have the match because the story is not doing it. Going to be a hell of a matchup, but the story is not doing it for me. Also, during the Keith Lee matchup, I forgot to mention, Keith Lee absolutely destroys Isaiah Cassidy, and Matt Hardy walks out on Private Party, and he walks out through the crowd, kind of like his brother did. There was a little Easter egg there. Is this teasing that Jeff Hardy's on his way to AEW? Could we see Private Party turn on Matt Hardy? Could we see the Hardy Boys versus Private Party? I don't know. But they're planting the seeds to something here. Should be very interesting. I enjoyed this episode of AEW. I gave AEW Dynamite a 3 out of 5 stars. I enjoyed it. When we come back from this commercial break, we will be going back in time to 1996, the post Survivor Series 1996. We have all the fallout on Monday Night Raw right after this break. So stay tuned. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy. 
as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being, I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. From iHeart Podcasts, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Fight for Monday Night, where every Monday we end the episode of the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast going back in time and talk about Monday Night Raw. This episode of Monday Night Raw is going to be from November 18th, 1996, where it is the fallout to the Survivor Series 1996 pay-per-view. And then after that, we're going to keep the straight and move into November 25th, 1996. A lot to talk about. So let's get into this super stacked episode of WWE or WWF Monday Night Raw. Like I said, this is the fallout to the Survivor Series 1996. This episode starts with what is being called a tough man match between Stone Cold Steve Austin and who was supposed to be Vader, but Vader was injured during Survivor Series, so it ends up being Mankind. Mankind attacks Stone Cold Steve Austin on the entranceway as Stone Cold Steve Austin was making his entrance to the ring. They have a massive, real look, realistic looking, I should say, realistic looking brawl that needed the referees and officials to pull them apart. But the referees and officials failed at this job because no one could pull apart Stone Cold and Mankind. They were just absolutely destroying each other. Eventually, though, the match does get put in the ring. The match does make it to the ring and the bell rings and it the intensity didn't stop there. The intensity in this matchup was at an all-time high. These two were beating the living shit out of each other. WWE Monday Night Raw was really getting gritty and really aggressive at this point, trying to be an alternative to the WCW. So it was really dope to see this because we were seeing some fucking hard-hitting action. Mankind was throwing his body all around. Stone Cold was throwing him into the guardrail, and he was flipping over the guardrail. You know, the famous Mankind flip. 
Um, yeah, Stone Cold catapulting him into the announce table. Mankind throwing Stone Cold on the announce table. They were just clubbing at each other's face. Stone Cold was stomping a mud hole in him. These two guys really beat the shit out of each other. But in the end, we unfortunately do not get a winner of the match because the executioner comes out with Paul Bear. They jump Stone Cold Steve Austin. We have a two-on-one jumping. It is Mankind and the executioner taking Stone Cold Steve Austin to town. But, of course, the Undertaker comes out. He fights off Mankind. He fights off the Executioner. Undertaker and Stone Cold are standing tall in the ring. But Stone Cold's a heel, so he don't give a fuck. He doesn't want no one's help. So Stone Cold Steve Austin clotheslines the Undertaker outside of the ring. Undertaker stares him down. He gets into the ring to attack Austin, but Austin retreats to the back. Really good start to the show. The intensity, like I said, was at all-time high. Next on the show, Ahmed Johnson is seen coming through the crowd. We haven't seen Ahmed for about five months at this point. Ahmed sits down with the crowd and he sits to watch the next match, which leads to the following matchup where Sonny is on commentary. We got Farouk versus Savio Vega. These two guys had really good chemistry with each other. Ahmed Johnson, well, Farouk comes out to a live rap from PG-13. You know, for a black power stable like the Nation of Domination, I really don't get why two white hicks, PG-13, are out here rapping for Ahmed Johnson. And honestly, their song is kind of, eh. Like, I, I, I would rather just the, we are the Nation the Domination. I would rather just keep that and keep the, you know, keep the two white boys out of this. But anyway... Me being a white boy myself. Anyway, let's get back to Farouk versus Savio Vega. These two guys had great chemistry with each other. Savio goes for a suplex. This is a really disgusting looking spot. Savio goes for a superplex from the top rope, but both men slip off the rope and go crashing down to the outside. Nasty looking spill. Nasty. Could have went so wrong. They are so lucky that they didn't get more hurt than what they did. That botch looked bad. Anyway, in the end, Farouk wins with the assist of PG-13. Ahmed Johnson attacks PG-13 after the match. Farouk bails. Ahmed says that Farouk is going to pay for putting his hands on him, and we're going to be getting that match at the next In Your House. We see Jim Ross backstage. He's going to attempt to interview Sid later on in the night. We then get highlights of Psycho Sid attacking Jose Lothario and HBK at Survivor Series with the camera. Vince McMahon then gives a heartfelt speech about Shawn Michaels, saying love him or hate him, and people do hate him. Shawn Michaels is a very flamboyant, very charismatic guy, but Shawn Michaels proved that he is a man's man when he stopped the matchup to go help his idol, his trainer, his mentor, Jose Lothario, when Psycho Sid attacked Jose with the damn camera at Survivor Series. Next, we got Phil LaFon and Doug Furness, two guys who made their debut for the WWF at Survivor Series in a very convincing fashion. We had them going up against Bob Holly and Leaf Cassidy. During this matchup, we see Owen Hart and British Bulldog backstage. They challenged uh, Doug Furness and Phil LaFon to a title matchup. Phil LaFon and Doug Furness beat Bob Holly and Leaf Cassidy, a.k.a. Al Snow. Psycho Sid makes his way to the ring. Crowd's going wild. They're trying to build Sid as a heel. The crowd don't want it. They want Sid to be their guy. Anyway, Jim Ross is in the ring. He asks Sid if he has any remorse for his actions. And Sid, of course, said, 
No. He says, because Jose Lothario put himself in that position. He gives HBK a rematch, though. He says, I'm a man of my word. I will be a fighting champion. I give you a rematch. But the result will be the same. He says he beat him once. He will beat him again because he is the man and the ruler of the world. He asked, uh, JR asked Sid if he will be a fighting champion, to in which Sid had a babyface answer and said, yes, you people brought me back, so for you people, I will be a fighting champion. Kind of sounds a bit babyface-ish. Then JR brings up Bret Hart being the next contender for the title, and Psycho Sid said it could be Bret, it could be Sean, it could be anybody. The result will be the same. Sid will win because he is the ruler of of the world. And that's how Monday Night Raw goes off the air. This was a great episode. These 45 minutes of whatever Monday Night Raw is without the without the commercials, that shit flew on by. That shit felt like it was a 20-minute show. Because when you're having fun with the show, it flies by. So what did I have to do? I had to put on the next one because I wanted more action. So we're going to jump ahead to the November 25th Monday Night Raw episode which started out with a great technical matchup between Bret the Hitman Hart and his brother, Owen Hart. Like I said, great matchup. You already know the chemistry these two brothers have. You already know the legendary cage match at SummerSlam. You already know the legendary WrestleMania 10 bout. So, this was no less. Now, it wasn't to the extent of WrestleMania or SummerSlam 94, but still a really good matchup. But just like the week before, the opening matchup has a great matchup but ends in the DQ because when Bret the Hitman Hart goes to put the sharpshooter on Owen Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out and takes Bret Hart out with the chair, showing that this war between them is far from over. Owen Hart, the brother of Bret Hart, is over here and allowing it to happen. Then Stone Cold Steve Austin goes to put the chair around Bret Hart's ankle and break the ankle just like Stone Cold did to Brian Pillman and Owen Hart is allowing this. But this leads to British Bulldog coming out and saying, yo, this is too much. You're going too far. Which leads British Bulldog and Owen Hart to start arguing with each other because he's like, yo, love him or hate him, Bret Hart is family. Stone Cold is not family. You're going to let this man do this to your brother? So as Owen Hart and British Bulldog start arguing, Stone Cold Steve Austin takes the chair and nails the British Bulldog with the chair, and now Owen's pissed. Owen's looking like, yo, what the fuck? Like, now you're going too far. That's my fucking tag team partner. We, we got the tag team champions. Stone Cold bails when it looks like Owen Hart wants to fight Stone Cold. This looks like we're about to get the start of the Hart Foundation. Bret Hart, Owen Hart, and British Bulldog now all have a common enemy in Stone Cold Steve Austin. Next up on the show, we had the Executioner along with Paul Bearer and Mankind going against Freddie Joe Floyd. Fuck that. I'm calling him Tracy Smothers. That's who he is to me. Rest in peace, the legendary Tracy Smothers. And congratulations to Tracy Smothers for just recently going into the Independent Wrestling Hall of Fame. But in the end, after a very awkward, awkward match that was really just not the best, this was very skippable, the Executioner wins. Next, we have a sit-down with Jose Lothario and a very pissed-off Shawn Michaels. HBK said that he lost his edge, but he is bringing it back. And he wants his rematch against Psycho Sid at the Royal Rumble in front of his hometown in San Antonio, Texas at the Alamo Dome. 
This McMahon asked his HBK if MSG chanting for Sid threw him off, and he said no. He says that he wants the people behind him, but he will not beg for the people behind him. He won't beg for the people to be behind him. He says anybody could cheer anybody. I would like for you to cheer me, but if you don't cheer me, I'm not losing any sleep at night. HBK is pissed, and he is intense. Next, we got Sunny on commentary for the next matchup, Rocky Maivia versus Salvatore Sincere. Sonny's just gushing all over Rocky on this matchup. Rocky Maivia picks up the victory. Main event, I don't know why this was the main event. I would have rather it be Brett versus Owen in the main event. But it was Mark Miro versus Billy Gunn with Triple H on commentary. Mark Miro and Billy Gunn. You had Stone Cold, Owen Hart, Bret Hart, Bridge Bulldog, all interacting. And that wasn't the main event, but we gained Mark Merrill versus Billy Gunn. But whatever. Hunter Helms leads on commentary. He interferes. This leads to a DQ. Jake the Snake makes the save. The Raw goes off the air like this. I was a little surprised. I would even accept it if Raw went off the air with the very intense promo from Shawn Michaels. Because that was a great way to close it off, in my opinion. But it didn't. Obviously, the Raw from the week before was a whole lot better than this Raw, but this Raw was amazing for the opening segment and that opening matchup with Bret Hart versus Owen Hart and Stone Cold dividing the family. That was good shit. I thoroughly enjoyed this Raw. Now, we're about to be going into December, the last month of 1996, and then I am so excited for Raw in 1997. 1997 is what I started this for. 1997. The start of the Attitude Era. 1997. Raw is war. I am hype. Ladies and gentlemen, if you like these classic reviews, every Monday, I talk Monday Night Raw from back in the dizzy. Every Wednesday, I talk ECW Hardcore TV from back in the dizzy. Just like this upcoming Wednesday, where not only we will have ECW superstar Jasmine Sinclair on talking about her time in ECW and her return to XPW on April 9th, 2022 for California, but we will be also reviewing the November to Remember 1997, one of the biggest shows for ECW at this time. Main event being for the ECW champion, Bam Bam Bigelow versus the franchise Shane Douglas. Rob Van Dam versus Tommy Dreamer. Sabu versus Sandman. Chris Candido versus Tommy Rogers. New Jack and Cronus versus the Dudleys versus Balls and Axel versus the FBI. Just Incredible versus Mikey Whipwreck. This, this card is insanely stacked. We'll be talking all about that and much more on the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast this coming Wednesday. So make sure you tune in. I love you guys. Thank you for riding with the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. I hope everyone continues to enjoy their Valentine's Day. And I will catch you here on Wednesday on the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. Peace out, y'all. Like a tough in the hood Till the wolves come Bitches let a drink in the club Till the wolves come Surrounded by the sheep in the street Till the wolves come Everyone strip on the floor We the wolves done Who can fuck with De Niro? I got a Snyder extender clip So who wanna play hero? Go bad shit like Ozzy I was born in the darkness Oh, you the wolf Till we pull up and you're harmless So pray to Oliver Don Dada the 
top shotter, the top spot, final boss you cross, that's when your ride stop. Basquiat with that white chalk, trigger finger streets, smile, leave your brains on the sidewalk. Niggas that get tough in the hood, till the wolves come. Bitches let a drink in the club, till the wolves come. Surrounded by the sheep in the street, till the wolves come. Everyone strip on the floor, till the wolves come. Heard them got them niggas, they be moving in the pack. Think the shit is sweet, they be plotting in the back. Summertime, better be careful where you at. No matter Addy, nigga, we gon' get you where you lack. Dipping, creeping through the night is precise. Catching nigga slipping for his ice worth your life. Answers yes, well, did nigga pay your price? Right or wrong, when you see the moon, it's on sight. South Bronx, midnight, niggas moving packs cause they hunting. I'm moving packs of that onion, but probably packing them something. Catch him slipping with them coals and he ain't telling us nothing. Catch a nigga fooling twice and then I'm pressing that button. Send his ass away, permanent vacate and start bluffing. Must have moved to Honolulu, changed his name to McLovin. Said you know what you know, that's for the pack to remember. And if a nigga leaking these, we gotta. Niggas say the dead don't talk, but that money do If I put a hole in his melon, I bet his honey do Shorty keep crying and screaming like that's helping you Bullets gave his brain a period for that decimal Niggas that get tough in the hood, to the wolves come Bitches let a drink in the club, to the wolves come Surrounded by the sheep in the street, to the wolves come Everyone strip on the floor, to the wolves come Heard them got them niggas, they be moving in the packs Think the shit is sweet, they be plotting in the back Summertime, better be careful where you're at No matter Addy, nigga, we gon' get you where you lack Dipping, creeping through the night is precise Catching nigga slipping for his ice worth your life Answers yes, well, did nigga pay your price Right or wrong, when you see the moon, it's on sight How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Bed Bath & Beyond is back with more to choose from than ever before. At the new Bed Bath & Beyond, you'll find all the products and brands you love, along with a huge new selection of furniture, decor, and everything else you need to create the home of your dreams. All in one amazing online store. Download our new app and save even more with exclusive deals and offers. Plus, get free shipping right to your front door. Welcome to a bigger, better beyond.